Good morning again. So, Jesus is. You may have an answer already. In the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring so many different answers. I am so excited for this because I believe with a passion that this is this is the most important message that we can hear, that we can live with, and that we can tell. And it isn't just the simple message of praying a prayer and then it's done, but it's the person, it's the majesty, it's the mystery, it's the bits that we think we know, and then the bits we go, oh my goodness, I never saw that. So I want to encourage you all to lean in. The resources aren't meant to be homework to task you. They're meant to be elements to fund and fuel and inflame you. So we're going to explore some of this together. This week I had a conversation with somebody, and they told me their experience of growing up in church. And there was a sentence that they heard quite often. And they said that they were told, just believe. Don't ask why, just believe. I want to tell you, that's completely not true. Ask why. Ask the questions. Jesus loved questions. Jesus asked questions. And Jesus welcomed questions. So if, wherever you are, you've got questions, you are in good company. You're meant to have questions. Ask the questions. So today I'm going to start at the beginning, which is always a good place to begin. And we're going to ask the question of why. Why did God make us? And why Why is God doing what he's doing or not doing what he's doing? What's the big question? Why? That's what we're going to look at. In my office, as I walk in the door, I've got this. And I don't know if I want to walk forward or John wants to zoom forward. But it says this. He's zooming. Create environments where people encounter God. I've got this on my wall, so I can't do anything without walking past this reminder that says, create environments where people encounter God. It's a vision. It's a mission. Lots of churches have these things. We hang them on the wall, and we try and give words to what we believe God wants us to do. I want to explore this, but I want to ask the question behind it. Why? I actually believe it is not our job to come up with a vision because I believe that God's already done that. It's our job to be in line with what God is doing, his vision. Jesus said famously, I only do the things that I see the Father doing. Sometimes, sadly, we we don't. We, We do what we're doing and hope that God likes it. I want us to be a church that's in tune with God's vision, God's goal, God's dream, God's desire. How do we serve that? And as best as we can use words to do so, this gives some language to what we believe God is about. And I want to explore this. And I want to break it down into two elements. We're talking about vision and mission. These two words sometimes are used and kind of blur together. They have quite different meanings. Vision is what we see. It's the goal. It's the desire. It's the destination. I have a vision and it's the most important thing. And vision takes us somewhere. Mission talks about the means about how we are going to get there. It is the steps that we take along the way. It is the strategy that takes us from where we are 
to the destination that is the vision. So vision and mission. In the beginning, if you've ever opened a Bible to page one, you found yourself in this book called Genesis. Genesis means beginnings. And in the beginning, it talks about God being there. It talks about Jesus, the Son, being there. It talks about God, the Holy Spirit, being there. In Genesis, it says that the Holy Spirit is hovering over the water. This is before creation. The very first sentence from the Bible, which is John 1, says, in the beginning was the Word, and it's talking about Jesus, and the Word was with God. So in the beginning, we've got this story, and God the Father is there, and Jesus the Son is there, and God the Holy Spirit is there, hovering. And in Genesis, it says, let us, the us being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make mankind, let us make people in our image. There's this idea. This is where the story begins. The question that I always want to ask is, why? If you read on, this picture is painted that there's this beautiful world, this beautiful location, this beautiful garden. And there's food and there's fruit and I imagine there's drink. And it's clean and there's a river and it runs and things grow. And it's this beautiful environment that God made and he put people in it. And the why is because God wants to be in relationship with people. And this setting is stunning, but it's not about the setting. It's not about the what, it's about the why. Because God wants to be in relationship with people. He always has. And that's where the story begins, that we, all of us, different, diverse, are made in his image and that God creates a beautiful environment for us to be in relationship. In Genesis, it talks about the man and the woman and God walking in the cool of the evening. And I imagine that they laughed and they joked and they ate. And it's a beautiful picture. And this environment is created by God with the very purpose of being a place where relationship between God and people can exist. That's where the story begins. If you've read on, you don't get many pages in to realize that people, which is us, mess up. And we do things that we shouldn't do. And the Bible calls this sin. And we fall short. And we have been falling short ever since. And it causes a gap, a divide from the goal, the vision of God... That was relationship with people. That was, the re- that was the goal. That is the goal. God wants to be in relationship with people. It's not the end of the story. If you keep reading on in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, we keep hearing that God still wants to be in relationship with people. I'm going to give you a quick tour through the scriptures. I'm going to put these passages on the screen uh, and move through them. Asking the question, what's the story? What's going on? And what is God about? In Genesis 17, we read the beginnings of this word covenant. Covenant means a commitment or a connection, a bond. Sometimes it's used to describe marriage, the marriage covenant. This is the first time we read this. God is saying, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you. God, 
his vision, his goal of relationship hasn't ended. Moving forward, we go to the next passage. Exodus 6 verse 7. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. There is a time where God's people are in slavery and God frees them because he wants to be their people and he wants to be their God. Relationship is the same story. And then the next passage in the Old Testament I want to show you. Jeremiah. This prophet gives words to what God's saying and seeing. He says, so you will be my people and I will be your God. The story is the same story. The vision is the same vision. God wants to be in relationship with people. He always has. It's one vision. It's God's vision that God wants to be in relationship with people. And in Genesis, God's creating the space. And through covenants, God's creating the environment. Different times, different ways. Covenant looks like a wedding ring. It looks like a marriage. It looks like a relationship. And sadly, as we know from the story and the example of marriage, marriage doesn't always work out. And like in the beginning in the garden, people mess up. The people of God are unfaithful in this covenant in this relationship. And God keeps reaching out, but we keep straying. But the goal is always the same goal. The vision is the same vision, that God wants to be in relationship with people. The Old Testament points in a direction of hope. During the story of the Old Testament, the people that keep messing up make these sacrifices where we're trying to, to satisfy and to right the many wrongs in our lives, but they don't quite make it. And the Bible tells the story that God's going to step in. God himself is going to step in. The God who was there in the beginning is going to step in and going to make a way that we could never make possible. And Jesus is the way. Jesus is the person that makes it possible. Two passages from the New Testament that point to, to Jesus and explain what he's doing. Hebrews 10, the law, which is the Old Testament, is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never be the same sacrifice repeated endlessly year after year. It points to Jesus also in Hebrews 10. For by one sacrifice... He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. What's that mean? The story of the first half of the Bible is God wants relationship. God creates these arrangements, these spaces, these gardens, these agreements. We keep messing up. Our sacrifices and our efforts fall short. But God is going to make a sacrifice in a way that won't fall short. Jesus is making it possible. So the vision is that God wants to be in relationship with people. And Jesus makes it possible. Jesus makes it truly possible. Some well-known New Testament passages. Jesus said this, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal 
life. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is making it possible. The goal of relationship with God is made possible by Jesus. The environments vary from a garden to a covenant to an agreement, but ultimately Jesus is making the vision possible. Jesus said this, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved They will come and go, and they will find pasture. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus said this, Peace be with you. As I am sent, so I am sending you. Where are we going with this? So the story so far in the Old Testament has been covenant. And in the New Testament, God steps in in human form and makes it truly possible. But the vision hasn't changed. The vision from page one is that God wants to be in relationship with people, all people. He always has. The vision doesn't change. We don't dream up a new vision. We find God's vision and we align ourselves with God's vision. And the vision is God wants to be in a relationship with people. And Jesus makes it possible. So we get to mission. The opening sentence on this statement, this vision and mission statement, is create environments. That's the mission. The, where people encounter God, that's the vision, that's the goal, that's the dream of God that's made possible by the person of Jesus. But the create environments element, that's mission. Mission changes. Methods change. Ideas change. Models change. What worked in one time doesn't always work in another time. The mission changes and molds but the vision doesn't change the vision isn't set by me it's set by God Jesus said I haven't come to replace the old I've come to fulfill it so we don't come to replace God's vision we come to align with it but the mission changes how we do it The methods that we use, the stories that we tell, the environments that we create, they change. So it looks like how we parent. It looks like people who repair cars. It looks like people who are teachers, people who are doctors. It looks like conversations at the gym. It looks like farmers. It looks like friends. It looks like neighbors. In all of these relational situations and scenarios... We are tasked, as Jesus was fulfilling God's vision, we come alongside and continue that by creating spaces, or to use the word on the sign, environments, which basically means spaces, opportunities, scenarios, where people might encounter God. And we say encounter, not believe, because it's possible to believe something but not do anything about it. But when we encounter and experience God, it changes us. So the vision is relationship. We create space through our lives, through our church services, 
with the goal being relationship with God. And Jesus is the person who makes it possible. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the door that makes it possible. So what does this look like? What does this look like? I'm going to move this. I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to use the analogy of a table. And it looks like us laying a table. We want to create environments where people encounter God. And it looks like hospitality. And it looks like relationship. And it may look like a table. Got a pretty runner. And we, we want to do it as best as we can. We want to lay a nice table. Got a water jug. Got napkins. There's a bottle of wine, some glasses that I'm desperately trying not to break. What we're doing is creating an environment where relationship exists. We're creating an environment where people can sit and enjoy and be in relationship. We're creating a space. The space that we create isn't perfect. Someone could come along and lay a nicer table than the table I'm laying. But what we're doing is we're creating an environment with the hope that relationship will flourish. And I'm using the table as an analogy. I can't remember if there's fire alarms in this building. I tried to light a fire once before. So I've laid a table. And it's an environment. And the table in itself isn't that special. And the contents, there's no food. We're creating a space. And the idea and the dream and the goal is that God and people will be in a relationship and enjoy being together. And Jesus makes it possible. Jesus makes it truly possible. Now, if the vision is to create an environment where people could enjoy relationship, sometimes we could think it's all about the table. It needs to be perfect. So we could look at church and think it needs to be perfect. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I want it to be good. I want us to do the best we can do. But it isn't about the table. The table isn't the goal. The goal or the vision is that there be a relationship between God and people. And we create space and opportunity and environments. And in this context, a table with that being the goal. But it's Jesus who makes it possible. Now, there's more going on in this table analogy. The table speaks of food and fellowship and relationship. And we see in Genesis when there's trees with fruit that we assume that the original picture was one where they ate together, had meals together. What I love about the table analogy is I've laid it because I believe, and I'm looking at that John passage where Jesus always created environments where people encountered him. And then he said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you to do the same. I believe that it is my task to lay the table for people to experience and encounter God. But before I make it about me, I have to recognize something. God laid the table first. He laid the table and invited us to take a seat, to be in relationship with him. And we don't have to do anything. Sometimes we think it's our efforts, it's what we need to do. In the, story, in the Bible, there's a story of Mary and Martha. And Martha is really busy tending to the table and Mary's just sitting enjoying And actually, the first thing that we need to do before we try and do it for others and lay a table for them is to take a seat and to sit and to enjoy because God laid the table for us to be in relationship. And he doesn't need us to do anything. He doesn't need us. He chose us. He was fine before we arrived on the scene and he'll be fine when we're gone. But he laid the table and he chose to invite us to be at the table. Perhaps the most well-known psalm in the Old Testament is the psalm of David where he talks about how the Lord is his shepherd and he leads him. But he says something that's quite an interesting sentence. It's a contrast to the rest of the psalm. He said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here's the context. David was on the run He was in pursuit. What he had, he had lost, and his life was in danger. And in the place of fear and despair and not knowing what's going to happen next, if he's even going to survive, he has this experience and this revelation that in the context of doubt and struggle, God lays a table for him and says, come and take a seat. Because the vision hasn't changed. It starts on page one and it goes all the way through. That God wants to be in relationship with people. And it doesn't matter what your situation or circumstances are. You may feel surrounded by debts and mental health problems and concerns that you can't solve. And God lays a table in the middle of it all and says, come and take a seat. Because the goal has always been the same. The vision's always been the same. I want to be in relationship with you. And Jesus makes it possible. I've strayed from the notes. We'll find them one day. God wants to give us what we need. In the Old Testament, the food was given by God. In the Old Testament, there's a substance called manna, which is this food that kept arriving every morning. Every morning, there was enough for the day in hand. Every morning it was there, and it was for the people, and it probably landed on a table that maybe looked something like this. 
And then in the New Testament, Jesus, who truly makes it possible, says, I am the bread of life. And if you eat and drink from me, you'll never be thirsty again. Jesus makes it possible. The vision stays the same, that God wants to be in relationship with us. And this is not just for people that don't know him so that they could come and sit at the table once. We're looking at this Jesus is series, not because we want 10 weeks of an evangelistic message for someone who hasn't heard the story, but because this story is for people who have heard the story. The idea isn't that you take a seat once, meet God, and then never take a seat again. God wants us to always take a seat at the table and to always be in relationship with him. And it's not about believing that the person exists. That's not enough. It's about knowing the person. No one goes out for a meal for two on Valentine's and doesn't talk to them. They just believe that they exist and ignore them for the rest of their days. We are invited to be in relationship. And he laid the table for us. And Jesus makes it possible. And then Jesus says, I want you to do the same for others. So our vision looks like this because that's what God did. And that's what Jesus did. We want to create environments where people encounter God. And the vision flows all the way through Scripture. And Jesus makes it truly possible. I said if you've started in page one, if you've kept going, you've got to the last page, at the very end of this book called Revelation, it talks about Eden being restored. Eden was the name of the garden in Genesis, the original environment that God created that, so that people would encounter him. And it says that Eden's restored. And it says that we will be his people and he will be our God. And there will be no more mourning or crying or death for the old order of things has passed away. There's one vision from page one to the last page. Jesus makes it possible. And we're invited to sit at the table. And we're invited to invite others to it. Not invited, we're instructed to invite others to it. Wherever you go, however you do it, to invite people to the table. I want to pray, and there, there is a response. So what do you need to do? The first thing that we need to do is we need to know God's presence and be comfortable with God's presence. If you're sat here and God's sat here, That's not the time to just fidget and make the table better. That's the time to enjoy God's presence. As a church that wants to be full of God and be faithful in God's mission, we need first to know his presence and enjoy it and just sit and enjoy his presence. He invites us into his presence, not because he needs us to help him with anything, but because he wants us to enjoy his presence. So the first thing we need to do is we need to be comfortable in his presence and we need to rest in the presence. We need to be people who 
lay the table for others in our words, our actions, in our conduct, in our example, in our work settings with our neighbors. The terminology of creating environments is simply that. It's laying a table in our lived examples so that others can experience God. It's his vision. And we need to invite others to take a seat, to say, hey, I laid this for you. Come and take a seat. Come and enjoy. The vision is God's vision. It's relationship. The mission is however you need to do it. Wherever you find yourself. There's no simple answer. The Apostle Paul, the person who wrote most of the New Testament, said to the Jews, I'll be like a Jew. To the Greek, I'll be like a Greek. To this person, I'll be like this. What he's basically saying is, I will flex my methods, my terminology, my approach, however I need to, to be faithful to God's vision that God wants to be in relationship with people. And I don't care how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to try and lay a table as best as I can. But there is a response. For some, uh, you may not have taken your seat. I've said that God laid the table first and he invites you to take a seat. And you, or you may have taken a seat once in the past and then you got up and you wandered away. And you're never near that chair now. I want to encourage you to come back. I want to encourage you to return to the table aware that God doesn't offer the seat conditionally based on what you've done, but he, he loves you as a son and a daughter. And that covenant relationship in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, is called adoption. He wants you back. So if you've strayed from the seat that God laid for you, come back. Tell him that you've done wrong and come back. And then for others... May we lay tables in our words, in our deeds, in our conduct, with our neighbors, in our jobs, in our church. I'm aware that they may not be perfect tables, but it was never about the table. It was always about the goal. That God wants to be in relationship with people. And Jesus makes it possible. Jesus gives us the food that will never run out. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the light. Jesus lays the table. And that gives us a hope that's worth telling others about. But we don't know what tomorrow offers, even if, it's, even if tomorrow's coming. Jesus told the story of heaven like a table. He said there's this great banquet, and the table's laid. And some of the people that thought they were going to get an invite, well, they, they strayed. But the people that were far off, they're coming. It's a banquet. It's a feast. It's a table. And God is sat around that table. So may we know how to rest and enjoy the presence of God. May we take our seat aware that it isn't because of what we've done or not done. And may we invite others to enjoy the table that God laid for us.
Why don't we stand? Let's pray. Lord, we want to be in line with your vision. And we see from page after page after page of Scripture that you love people and that you want to be in relationship with them. Not once, not a one-off prayer, but a lifelong relationship that is good, good, good. Or to quote Genesis, very good. When the relationship of people and God happens, it goes from good to being very good. Lord, we... We want to enjoy that, and we want others to enjoy that. We're so grateful, Father, that you created an environment where we counter you. And that, Jesus, you made that possible. Lord, may we take our seat at the table and rest in your presence. And may we recognize the words of Jesus that said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you to lay a table so that people could enjoy relationship with you. Well, teach us your ways and help us to walk in the light, pray. Amen.